I took his hand and I said, okay, there's something I got to tell you. And I told him, I said, from an early age, I found out I couldn't have children. And I explained to him the details. And I want to spend a life with you. You know, if you can't accept this, you know, let's just go ahead and break up now. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brienne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier, ha 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 secrets you, you know, you don't ever want to tell anybody, you know, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Cassie. Now, Cassie, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is your secret? I stopped telling partners that I could not have children. Oh, so you stopped telling somebody you're with that you were unable to have kids? Yes. Okay. Take take me back, girl. Take me back. <laughs> this was 14 years ago. I was okay. in a serious relationship. I was 24. And he was my first experience of everything. I was that goody two-shoes girl, if you know what I mean. Goody two-shoes I mean, southern girl. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That was me. Yeah. And so, anyway, he was my first. He took my virginity. And I fell in love. And he, you know, I thought for sure he was in love with me. So six months of us dating, I knew I had to tell him this. Because at an early age, I found out I could not have children. So I knew I had to tell him before he pulled out a ring and said, you know, and proposed. Because... I thought it was going down into that. So six months into the relationship, we were driving home from visiting his parents. And I told him. What did you say? How did you say it? Do you remember? This is how I said it. I took his hand and I said, okay, there's something I got to tell you. And I told him, I said, from an early age, I found out I couldn't have children. And I explained to him the details. And I said, in the only way I said, and the reason why I'm telling you this is I didn't want to take, you know, I knew this is where this was leading and I want to spend a life with you. And, you know, if you can't accept this, you know, let's just go ahead and break up now because, you know, I want a partner that's going to be there because this is going to be a fight. The only way I could have even fathom having a kid was IVF or, or adoption. I said, so if this is how you want to fight, if you want to be my partner and fight with me, we'll do this. And I'm trying to try not to cry talking about no, it. No, cry. <laughs> cry, girl, cry. Because <laughs> I know it's like the shoe's about to drop and I'm going to start crying. <laughs> and so 
then he squeezed my hand and all he said was, I know I don't want to break up with you. So I was like, whew, I was like, okay. 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 So maybe we're leading somewhere good. And that's really all he said in about 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. And this is where your book comes into play with me. Cause this is where I felt like Roxanne and he, 10 minutes, we're driving 15, 20 minutes down the road. He says, so this means I don't have to pull out anymore. <gasps> no, he did not. He did too. Oh my God. That makes me so angry on so many levels. Oh my and, God. Oh, but that ain't all. Um, about a month or two down the road. Uh-huh. Um, he he would he would take snippets and because we stayed together a year and a half and he okay. would take little t- snippets. Oh, and that night? Yeah. That night I felt like Roxanne because I gave in. Yeah, I <gasps> gave in. Oh. And just looking at the ceiling blades and I just spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning. Yeah. Yeah. Got numb, yeah. disconnected, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And a month or two down the road, he would always make little snippet co- comments about adoption. And, and he would always say, well, adopted kids, they just are, oh my gosh, they could turn out so bad. And, you know, again, that uh, Roxanne feeling, I would, you know, I you always would stay. I, you stayed. I would stay. I yeah. stayed. But this is what I think hurt the most, too. It's about a month or two down the road. He looked at me one day and I remember I was cooking in his apartment and he said, you know, if you did get pregnant, if, if it worked or you did get pregnant, you would look like an Oompa Loompa. (gasps) And, but again, what did I do? You stayed. Uh Uh-huh. Oh my God. What is he like trying to torture you? Like you've already shown your heart, you know, as a woman not being able to reproduce is already difficult, you know? And then on top of it, he's like, it's just crazy sometimes as humans do to each other. It, It is. And so, you know, but yet when he finally broke it off with me because he moved and transferred and wow. when he finally, God yeah. did for you what you couldn't do for yourself, girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I still could not let go. We still saw each other and I had an and and got I had an aunt that she's passed now, but she was like a little bit of an enabler. And she was like, just go and sing, go and sing. Just because uh, my deal with her was is it as long as you told me you're driving somewhere to go see him, you know, as long as you tell me where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then when you get back. And so I remember calling her and saying, I'm going. And she said, well, just call me when you get back. And anyway, I'm telling you it, I don't know why I did it. I just, cause I, he was my, I guess because he was my first. I don't I know. Mean, I, for so many reasons. I always think it's, you know, something in us feels broken and we feel like someone else is going to fix it. And especially when that person that we love is unavailable, we want to convince them to become available for us. Yep. 
But I do want to take you back a little bit further. I did have a question. I didn't, I wanted to ask when you were younger, what you found out why you couldn't have kids. Can you share that or you, or you don't want to share that? Yeah, I'll share that. Um, so when I was born Mm -hmm. as, as my, as my family (laughs) says about me, I'm the, I'm the perseverer is what they say. Okay. (laughs) Um, so when I was born, there was abnormalities mm-hmm. on my, on my, in my ovaries. Okay. So they had to take them, um, when I was a baby. Okay. So it's kind of like straight from mama, you know, straight from going from mom for this. So mm-hmm. when I was 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, and this is my fault because I'm so, I'm such a strong person. Okay. I'm there for everybody else. You know, I'm the one that everybody leans on, or I feel that way. So when I was 10, 11 years old, my mom told me, I just didn't want to talk about it. I Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do, what to say. So I never discussed it again. Right. And how can you comprehend that at such a young age? Like, I wouldn't be able to comprehend that I had endometriosis or a huge fibroid (laughs) at the age of 11. You know what I mean? Like, we don't understand stuff. So I get it. Right. And and my mom too, she, mm-hmm. I love her to death. You know, she's a rock for me. And that's, but I just, you know, you just don't, dis- you know, that was some things we just didn't discuss in our family. There's yeah. things you just don't discuss. No, I get it. Where you, yeah, like why can't we discuss female uh, hormonal <laughs> issues with our mothers? But that generation doesn't discuss that stuff. I get it. No. so that's where you know that's where it started did she ever say anything that made it worse I know you know parents do the best they can but was there anything ever where it just like reiterated the only thing thing, because when I was contemplating finally telling him Mm -hmm. I I went to her and this is what I say, because I had discussed it with two of my best friends. Okay. And, and they were like, you need to, and my mom is the type of, no, you wait till you, no, you wait till you have a ring. And I'm like, no, because that would be, in my mind, that was accepting it on false pretenses. Right, right, Because he didn't, he didn't know the whole story. So she was like, I see what, so she was like, I see what you're saying. You know, if this is what's leading in your heart to do, do it. I said, because I don't, I didn't want to lie to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I let out my most vulnerable and then you just, and that's what scares me to get close to another guy is because I let out my most vulnerable and. Yeah. And your biggest fear that telling this, then you would be rejected. And it seems like he dragged it on and also at the same time was rejecting you little by little. It sounds like. Right. So then you moved on and you didn't tell another soul? I moved on, didn't, didn't tell another guy I ever dated. Mm-hmm. I had, I had a, a fling, uh, <laughs> I went on a wild streak. Oh, so you rock sand, <laughs> you rock sand it. <laughs> I sand it. I went on a wild streak. I met a friend like Roxanne had. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and we, we met at a gym and had the same trainer. And so I rock sanded. Okay. I mean, it was a bar every weekend. 
And I mean, I was just like, well, I'm not going to be a wife. This mom thing ain't going to work out. Yeah. So I'm going to just break it open. And so that's what I did. And um, I met another guy who was my other experience. Okay. And and um, he was like, <laughs> to explain him, was like a cover off a of romance novel. Okay. <laughs> he looked that good and so I was like oh my gosh I felt like I had power right you get what I'm saying because oh, we please and, do I get what you're saying please we know <laughs> I got what you're saying I mean I felt like I had power I would too I would walk into a bar and I would look at my friends and I'm like I'm kissing that guy by the end of the night oh let's, let's lay bets down and I would be kissing that guy at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And, but this guy, I'll never forget it. And I I don't know. It was just like that, right? You know, how you, how you wrote in your book, when you feel that much strong sexual connection, run away. (laughs) Not me. Okay. And um, we, we talked a little while. And then my grandmother was really sick and she was on her deathbed and I was out of town working and he came and saw me and I just wanted comfort. And he came that night and they, you know, it, it all went down and he got up and left. I felt like the walk of shame the next morning when people I work with, you know, and yeah. one of my friends was, you know, doing brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hate you right now (laughs) but uh anyway I ended up getting ghosted after that from him Uh, that was it yeah can I ask if you allowed him to you know did you have a condom on is that an inappropriate question Brianne probably but (laughs) like no either time no with my first and no with my second which was stupid Okay. Yes. Not, we are not smart sometimes in our decision-making. We get that. Okay. So you then get ghosted, which is horrible. People should never ghost anybody. And then you kept just not telling people that you got involved. I kept just not telling it. I dated another guy for six months, not too long after that. Yeah. Broke it off with him, never told him. And then finally, I just, after the dating, just quit. And what do you I mean just it kinda, quit? You just like said, I'm done? I just did. I'm, I didn't want to date. I would go out here and there and no. I just could not get close. You you turned sexual anorexic then. You just shut it down. I shut it down. Yeah. Nobody talks about that. You just, your, your, your emotions and your body just shuts down because of all the damage or trauma and stuff and rejection and abandonment. You just shut that part of you off and it's called sexual anorexia. Nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. And here I am 12, 13 years later and I'm like, wow. Are you still shut down right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. you, I didn't know that. You're shut. You have not dated for 12 years. I have not dated anybody serious or had a serious relationship. Yes. Right. I have not been intimate with a guy for 12 to 13 years. And I have not told him that. And, and it's probably sad of me to say this. I am talking to someone, but it's like, I, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a damaged good. I know. You know, I get it. 
I felt like that when I turned sexual anorexic and shut down like that, I felt like I was damaged and something was wrong with me. I totally know that feeling. And so, you know, in part of me is always going to feel inadequate because I can't do the one thing that the main thing a woman was created for. Right. And you're just like, Oh, you know, but here's the thing. So many women are going through that now. You're not alone. I know so many women that have had to do IVF five times and still haven't. So you are not alone, but when we're going through it or we feel like we're not, you know, doing what women are supposed to do that we're broken. And that's not true. Just so you know, you are not alone. Right. And trust me, there have been nights, Mm -hmm. um, especially when he broke up with me. I mean, I would just cry myself to sleep Yeah. because, and, you know, finally I have a piece, you know, I do, I feel like I'm getting a piece, but, you know, I know that I still have work. Well, yeah. I mean, you definitely have work if you're still stuck in that sexual anorexia. That's the hardest part to get out of. You know, the acting out over sexual and and doing all that, it's easy, easier. But to get out of the cycle of sexual anorexia is brutal. It's brutal. So how are you going to get, put yourself out there? Because you deserve love, girl. Like, you deserve it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, I guess, you know, I don't don't know. Uh, Other than, you know, like you told me before, Mm -hmm. the meetings. Go to a meeting. Yeah. There's a great sexual anorexia meeting on Tuesdays, just so you know, in Los Angeles at 7.30 p.m., it's an am- really? Yeah, it's an amazing meeting. If you're out there and you find yourself shut down, there's an amazing meeting. You can reach out to me. I will give you the information. But this is something that is so difficult to get out of, to put yourself back out there, to step into that unknown. It is an unknown. And you, you kind of almost feel like you're in a rut. And, yeah. you know, I've thrown my life into, you know, work and family and friends and Cause I'm that, that's what I do. And I'm that friend. I worry about everybody else but me. Yeah. Yeah. Normally that is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm that friend that will run over right away. Right. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you got to take care of yourself to take care of others and, I don't do it. Well, here's an idea. Is there anybody in your life right now that you could call and say, I need help getting back out there and they can sit with you and talk to you and, you know, maybe enter on one of those dating apps or go with you out and like start putting yourself back out there because yes, rejection and abandonment is going to happen. But when we shut down emotionally and sexually, we're denying ourselves a part of life. Right. And there might be. I mean, I I think there could. There, yeah. Sometimes you just got to mention it to one person in your life. Like I'm struggling. Yeah. And I think there is, but most of my friends are married with kids and they do their, da, 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 you know, their own life. And, yeah. And I don't, you know, you, you're like, I don't want to bug them about it, but I think I have a friend. Yeah, but here's the thing. Those married people probably are struggling just as much as you are with sexual anorexia. I know a lot of married couples that, you know, get 
stagnant. So maybe, you know, you mentioning it to somebody that you think wouldn't have that problem probably is going through something similar. Yeah. And in the small town I live in, there's things you just don't talk about. (laughs) Because then gossip will start. But there's something about you telling your truth that then helps other people tell their truth. Right. It brings it out. Yeah. Yeah, It brings that darkness out because you're drowning in darkness. Right. And, and I have been really talking to a friend that is single. She's a little bit older than me. And she has been, she has been through everything with me with this, you know, all these years ago, she was, you know, I confided in her. Yeah. She was the phone call I made to say, Hey, this is what I'm telling him. And so she, if there was anyone, it would probably be her. Well, I love it. She knows. You got to get back out there. Promise me you'll come to one of the anorexia meetings. I'll be in the room with you. Like I will be in the room with you. I will give you the information because it is not a place to live. I know people that have gone 20 years without having a partnership and, and living alone. And I just don't, think that's good for anybody's psyche no because we were built for relationships yeah and connection (laughs) we were definitely built for it and that's a huge reason why I'm you know talking today yeah you know I'm so grateful you reached out to me and you're willing to come forward and I had no idea though that you've gone that way I thought you, you, you know, got on the other side, but you being still in it, I would be honored to help you get out of it. Oh, thank you. It would be great to have that. It would be great to have somebody like that. Definitely. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this question before we go. If anybody out there is going through the same thing you're going through, heartbreak, disappointment, even fertility issues, what would be your advice for them, even though you're still in it? What is there anything you can help someone else with? My advice would be don't do what I did. <laughs> don't shut down. Don't shut down. <laughs> don't shut down. Don't act a fool <laughs> like I did and do stupid things. Find the right people to 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 be around. Uh, don't make a mistake and get that crazy friend that you know that throws you into it right and get a friend who's gonna help you and and lift you up and you know that's the main thing if I would have to say the takeaway and yeah and don't shut down (laughs) don't shut down because that is so hard to dig your way out of it I still struggle with intimacy I still do after almost 12 years of um, recovery. It's still difficult for me to attach my feelings and my sexuality and intimacy. So I get it. And once you go down that hole and you shut down, it's so hard to put yourself back out there again. So that would be my advice. Don't shut down. Like lean into not shutting down as much as you can. Fight through it if you can. Fight through it. Fight like you're like fighting a dragon because that's what it is. It's literally like a dragon. It is. And and you don't realize it before you know it. It's like, because I think age, the yeah. older I got too, it just was like, it just crept up because age too, you know? Yeah. But a year goes by and you're like, whoa, a year just went by. What do you, you know, right. and, and by the time you're like five years and then you're like, oh, well, and then you're like seven years and eight years. I get it. So 
we are going to dig you out of this anorexia once and for all. <laughs> so that you can connect, you know, and, and be a whole person and, and give yourself to somebody else and feel loved. Cause that's what it's about. Right. It is. It's about that. And, you know, and, and, like I said, I'm never comfortable. I'm hardly the comfortable one sharing things because I'm the, always the one that I'm the shoulder you cry on. I don't cry on your shoulder. <laughs> well, now you do. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to wear that mask. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. I feel like it's going to help so many people because this is something definitely nobody talks about. So I'm beyond grateful that you, you told me all of this. Well, thank you. And I'm, and thank you for, you know, letting me, you know, talk. Well, if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.